Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So in our spiritual quest and in our journey to know the spirit in our lives and as our lives, we look to various and sundry teachers for inspiration. This is week number five of our six-week fall series, Unity Awakening. And the series material that we are studying this year is the book, Trusting the Gold, Uncovering Your Natural Goodness by Tara Brock. The material is set into three sections, truth, love, and freedom. Truth, love, and freedom are ideas that naturally inform a spiritual life. There are many others, but in the material, she's focusing on these three. And this week, we begin the first of two talks based on the idea of freedom. And anytime I hear the word freedom, I am reminded of that 1971 Janis Joplin song, Me and Bobby McGee. Anybody there remember that? Okay, I think we were all there in the last century. Um, or last millennium. Goodness, that makes us all a thousand years old at least. So we must have some wisdom. And there's a line in that song where she sings, freedom's just another word for... All right, nothing left to lose. So what that implies to me in the song about drifters is that there are ideas and concepts that we probably should let go of so that we might experience the freedom of spirit. Which leads me to today's talk. That's kind of the lead-in. Is that there in the material for this week, there's a section entitled, Is the Universe a Friendly Place? And in fact, there's a famous quote attributed to Albert Einstein that says, the most fundamental question we face as human beings is, that, is how we answer that. Is the world a friendly place? I thought about this quote, and I've seen it all over the internet. I've seen it for years and years and years. But something was troubling me about that. And so early this morning, I got up, and I said to myself, I've got to find out where he actually said that. Any of you ever hear that quote before? Yeah. I couldn't find where he'd ever actually said that. And I thought, interesting. And it reminded me of the term paper I did senior year of high school. We had to write a term paper. And I decided I would write mine on Soviet international propaganda. <laughs> First rule, all propagandists know, repeat something enough times till people believe it's true, whether or not it is true. Sounds familiar in an age where misinformation is all around. So even though I couldn't find any evidence to the fact that Albert Einstein actually said this, I had to ask myself, is that still a valid question? And the answer I came up with is absolutely yes. Now, the good thing for those of us in unity is that our first principle answers that question. First of our five basic principles says in one way, shape, or form, depending on which version you're looking at, is that the nature of good is all, God is altogether good, everywhere present. So what that tells us is that is the foundation on which our theology is built. 
The next principle reminds us that each one of us has a spark of that divinity within us. I prefer to call it a raging flame. I prefer to call it the truth of our being, that we all have this goodness inherent in our core, every single one of us, without fail. Now, the challenge with that, we don't always know that. We don't always accept that. We don't always live from that point of view. And when that is the case, when our absence of ignorance of who we truly are takes over, then as human beings, any human being has the potential and the possibility of taking actions that are hurtful to others. It's sometimes phrased that we have so much free will, we can actually hurt ourselves with it and others. But does that actually take away from the fact the universe is actually a friendly place or that the nature of God is altogether good? And I come back to the answer, no. It is just indicative of the fact that we are all continuing to grow into the manifestation and demonstration of Christ's consciousness. Following the lead of our master teacher and way shower Jesus, whose message consistently, without fail, was love one another. Pray for those who are your enemies and even persecute you. Don't give up on them. Now, you may not want to invite them into your house as best friends, but we are still called to love. Our scriptures reinforce this message in the first pastoral letter of John. It simply spells it right out there. God is love. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 that he makes his sun to shine on the just and the unjust. He makes his rains to fall on the upright and the wicked highlighting this notion that God is love and that the world is fundamentally a friendly place. In spite of the actions that we might take sometimes or that others might take. Well, I realize there are scholars among us who might be asking the exceptional question, well, what about acts of nature? Those don't seem very friendly to me. Well, here's the explanation to that. We don't have to take those personally. I don't think there's any storm or hurricane or tornado or flood or earthquake that's got your specific name on it. I'm coming for you, Casey. It just comes. And when they do come, we see goodness in the hands and the faces of those who come to help. We see the demonstration of Christ's consciousness, of love, when we watch first responders and people rush in to make a difference, to bring healing and life and wholeness to complete strangers, and maybe even to complete strangers whose points of view are very different from theirs, because there is that within us that yearns for belonging and togetherness. In the text for our material this week, Tara Brock says, we long to trust that we have inherent value, beautiful qualities, and capacities that are beyond our reactive emotions, obsessive thoughts, and imperfect behaviors. We long to feel connection to others beyond the inevitable conflicts. We long to belong to a loving and timeless presence that can carry us through this living and dying world. And embodied, and, and embodied in and giving rise to our longing is a deep sense 
that what we long for is possible. In quiet moments of genuine presence and caring, do we not feel a homecoming, an experience that we are part of something whole and connected? You know, that's one of the reasons why we include a meditation practice in each and every one of our services here at Unity. To ground us in, not to our inherent goodness, not into the goodness that God is, but to reach out to connect us with all others and a knowing that we are here for one another, even when it is not easy, even when there is a pandemic even when there is social discord and strife. We use this time and this practice to open our hearts to compassion, to compassion for ourselves when we are suffering, compassion for others when they are suffering. And that reminder that love is the greatest power in the universe, ultimately. Even though in our humanity we may fixate on fear and greed and anger that seems to get so much of our attention, so much of our social networks, but ultimately it all fades because when we get still, we connect with the goodness that we are, the goodness that God is. But the question before us is often, how do we operationalize that? How do we live that when there seems to be this tsunami every day of yuck? You know, these political ads, it's like yuck. And all this other stuff that we see in the world, it's like, help us. Give me a tool, give me a practice. Give me something to do to stand firm in the knowing of the goodness that the world is. Well, we've already engaged in one. That is our spiritual meditation practice. That is our prayer practice. Actually, those are two. So, first cousins, very similar and yet different. Actually, we've engaged in three. Singing the songs of truth. You know, I, I used to lead a memorial a celebration service from time to time in a nursing home when we lived in Wilmington, North Carolina years ago. And I remember that there would be many times that some of the residents who were incapacitated in one way, shape, form would be wheeled into the room. And whenever the music would come on, they'd all perk up and start playing, singing. Music gets in our souls. It gets in our bones. And the words of the music that we use here are life-affirming words that can always remind us of the truth we know is true as opposed to the temporary facts that will come and go, come and go. Because that's what facts do, right? They're relative, as Ron shared in meditation. They change, they come and go. What remains is the truth of love. So I want to give you a couple practices in addition to those three. You're going to have like five, so you got, that's good. If you just put them on your fingers. Meditation, prayer, singing. Next one is being aware of our thoughts. Now you might say, I've been in unity 35 years, like Gene Lentz shared last week. Thank you for that wonderful sharing, Gene. We need that reminder every day. Because I'm going to say something that's a little bit crass, but consider the source, and it is Halloween, and I did have a silly hat on. 
So much of our thought patterns are habitual with the accent on the bitch part. You know, how often, and there's, there's, a, there's a very good reason for that. Because in an evolutionary purpose, we, uh, in our minds, in our brains, actually, this is brains, how our brains are hardwired, is to look for what's wrong so that we might protect ourselves from what's wrong and be safe and live. That's an evolutionary strategy for survival. It makes a lot of sense, and it has served us well. But there's a time and a place for everything. And if we don't stop periodically to ask ourselves, what am I thinking, why am I thinking that, then that will run riot over us, and we will miss the beauty and the wonders of the world. So when you catch yourself in the ain't it awful conversation, and I have at least one of these a day, I'm going to own it, there's that reminder to ask yourself, what's wonderful as well? What's beautiful as well? What's seemingly miraculous as well? You know, miracles are, are simply true principles we don't quite understand yet. And for me, I remember any number of times flying to Europe, eating a meal, watching a movie, thinking to myself, this is truly a miracle. How is this even possible? This thing weighs hundreds of tons. It's moving 600 miles an hour, and I'm here ordering dinner. <laughs> That's just amazing. I still think it's amazing there's running water in my house. That's pretty amazing stuff, because I've been in countries where that's not even an option. What's wonderful in your life? What's wonderful in your world? So when you find yourself getting into the ain't it awful conversation, please wake up and ask the other question, the converse, what's wonderful? You'll probably find more things in that column than you ever conceived as possible. A fifth item that we can do to help us remind ourselves that the world is a friendly place is summed up in what is anecdotally called the parable of the Chinese farmer and her, his son. I don't know if this is an actual legitimate story or not. I found it on the internet. Surely it's true, or at least maybe it points to a truism. And it goes something like this, you may have heard it, that there was a farmer who had a son and he had a horse and uh, they needed to do plowing, but he woke up and the horse was gone. And the son says, oh, father, it's awful, the horse is gone. And the father says, maybe yes, maybe no. The next day they wake up and their horse is back and has 20 other horses. And they go, hey, it's great, we've got all these new horses. He went out and got us some more, so we're rich. And the father goes, maybe yes, maybe no. Next day, the son is trying to break in one of the horses, falls and injures his leg. And he goes, oh, father, ain't it awful? And father goes, maybe yes, maybe no. The next day, the army comes wanting to conscript all the able-bodied young men to send to the front, and he couldn't go. Ain't, oh, it's not so awful, is it? You know? So how many times in our lives have we experienced what seems like a failure, didn't get a job we wanted, didn't get the move we wanted, didn't get the loved one we wanted, and we, realized, and we thought to ourselves, oh, ain't it awful, and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened. As the Dalai Lama once said, sometimes not getting what you want is an amazing stroke of good luck. 
The thing is, when we have these disappointments, it's important to acknowledge what we're feeling in the minute. I mean, your feelings are legitimate. If you don't give yourself permission to express them, they'll be sublimated and show up somewhere else in a very nasty and unpleasant way. So acknowledge what we're feeling and still stay open to the possibility. What good might come from this? One example is the pandemic, which, okay, we're going to fish deeply on this one. Almost every faith community I know has expanded their reach through social media, through the internet, webcasting, you name it. Is it possible we've been more, we've found a new way to teach truth, to awaken consciousness, and to invite people into a knowing that we're bigger than the facts? It is possible. The converse is also possible. I don't know. We're going to keep moving forward. And finally, I would just ask you to hold in mind the divine idea of awe. You know, I mentioned miracles, and I was going to mention that a little further because I found another Einstein quote that was a Einstein quote, meaning he didn't really say it. And, then, and that other quote simply said, live your life as if you have a choice. You can live your life as if everything is a miracle or nothing is a miracle. Again, didn't really find where Einstein said that, but I did find something very interesting. In a letter that was sent to him, he scribbled into the margin a, a comment that said something like, of all the dumbest things people do, falling in love cannot be blamed on gravity. You know, falling, so... Da -da. Okay, it worked in rehearsal. So, I, so lastly, I invite you to, when you're out in a world in the world, today, when you're leaving here, put the phone down, turn the radio off, and just look out the window. We live in a spectacularly beautiful place. And in fact, every place is spectacularly beautiful if you're willing to see it. You can look up at the night sky with a sense of awe. It's like, wow. The light from those stars is coming to me from hundreds of light years away, and I can see it. It's amazing. Look at these trees that are putting on this wonderful show and a display of color. It's like, wow. That's amazing. And when I walk out on the golf course by my house in the wintertime when it's freshly covered with snow, once I get past the fact I'm not a fan, this is stunningly beautiful. Wow. Stay open to awe and the power and the majesty of the universe. When you watch a lightning storm sometimes at night, it's like this is incredible and awe-inspiring. And I remember being present when our goddaughter was born. Wow. It's an amazing world. And I'm so grateful to be alive in it. These experiences of awe, these experiences of staying open to possibility, these experiences of looking for the good remind me the universe is a friendly place. And it is my job, and your job at home, and your job here, to be friendly in it. That's how we'll create a world of peace, abundance, and respect for all creation. Happy holidays.
thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.